Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Today on the podcast, I want to talk about dealing with angry people. There is a lot of anger in our culture right now, and some of that anger is spilling over into churches and ministry organizations. In fact, I dare say I have never lived through a season of ministry where I've talked with this many leaders who have expressed to me so many stories of the kind of anger they're dealing with in their ministry settings. I actually had a pastor call me recently and tell me that a fist fight erupted in his elders meeting over political divisions in the country expressing themselves in their church. I had another pastor contact me about significant anger that erupted in meetings in his church over failure to place the American flag properly in a worship center. I had another pastor who told me that at the tail end of the COVID mask era, that a person stopped him at the door of the church and said, if I ever see you wearing a mask again, you'll never see me in this church again. Just out of the blue, an angry outburst over something this pastor didn't know was even an issue with this particular member. These are the kinds of things I'm talking about. There's a lot of anger in the culture, and that anger is spilling over into churches and ministry organizations, and many ministry leaders are struggling to deal with all of this anger. So today on the podcast, I want to talk with you about where anger comes from, how we can diagnose it and understand it, and then some steps we can take to try to resolve, address, hopefully eliminate this level of anger in our context. So first of all, why do people get angry? Well, the answer is in one word, threat. Anger occurs when you are anyone or anything important to you is threatened. The key word in understanding why people are so angry today is threat. If they feel threatened or anyone or anything they feel is important is threatened, anger often erupts. Now this threat might be expressed this way. It's a threat to self. And when a person feels threatened in themselves, the response might first be anxiety, but ultimately it's going to be anger. So you can see this pretty simply when someone cuts you off in traffic. When someone cuts you off in traffic, something important to you, your health, something else important to you, your 
livelihood expressed in this expensive automobile you're driving, these things are threatened. And when you feel this threat, there might first be a rising level of anxiety, but that's followed fairly quickly with some road rage, anger. As you yell at the person in the other car, as you honk at the person, or as you otherwise express yourself with anger. Where did that anger come from? You never met this person. Maybe you didn't even see their face. You don't know what was in their heart or what they intended, but you felt threatened. And because of, your thre- the, because of the threat level that you perceived, anger was evoked from you. So why do people get angry? Because of threat. And when they feel threatened, they react with anger. Now, the threats can be experienced in various levels or various ways of threats to self. Let's talk about those. First, you might feel threatened in your physical self. For example, the doctor tells you that you have a cancer or you have a diabetes And when you hear that this disease is threatening your physical health, it's not uncommon for people to respond with anger. Angry, uh, excuse me, anger expressed about the illness, but often expressed uh, toward their physician or toward God or toward someone they perceive to be a part of them experiencing this threat to their physical self. So that's One kind of threat. Another one is a threat to what you might call your relational self. When uh, a husband feels like that some other man is inappropriately expressing himself or uh, to his his wife, that husband can feel angry. Why? Because that relationship that I have with my wife is very important to me, and if another man is threatening that, I react with anger because of the threat that I might lose this relationship. I once talked with a woman who told me that uh, it felt like her husband was having an affair and she was incredibly angry about it. And I said, well, are you concerned because you have knowledge of him relating to a particular woman? And, And she said, it's not a woman. It's the classic car in our garage that he spends all his time working on. He has no time for me. It's like he's having an affair with a car. Well, she was so angry, and she was angry at a car. Yeah, she was. But that anger was misplaced, as we'll talk about in just a moment. But that anger was originating because she felt threatened in her relational self with her husband because something was taking him away from her. So these threats can be to your physical self or your relational self. Here's another one. Threats to your personal self or to your values self, if I could say it that way. Threats to things that you hold dear in terms of ideas or ideals. Like, for example, uh, most of you listening to this podcast would have religious values, religious ideals that you hold dearly. And when someone threatens those, it's easy for you to react with anger. Maybe you have political ideals or political values. And when someone opposes those, it's easy for you to react with anger. Even patriotic values. 
when someone doesn't align with your patriotic values, then you find yourself reacting with anger. Now, the entire cable news industry seems to be built on this one. Tapping into the fact that people who feel violated in their religious values or ideals, their political values or ideals, their patriotic values or ideals, that when people are threatened in these areas, they react with anger and entire media are devoted, it seems, to being the vehicles and expression channels for this anger. So, threats to physical self, relational self, personal self, and then another one is threats to your extended self. And this is when someone that you care about is threatened or something that you care about is threatened. For example, a number, for a number of years, I was very much involved in Little League Baseball, and coaches who work in that uh, area have a phrase called Little League Parents. And Little League parents are those parents who hover over every moment of your coaching of their precious little one to make sure that you do it exactly like they want it done and to critique you at every point and opportunity when it doesn't go quite their way. And if the child uh, is penalized in some way or doesn't play as much as others or uh, in some way is disciplined by a coach, oh, my goodness, the anger that comes back from the parent because of what you did to their child. This is an example of, of, a, of a parent feeling threatened because a part of their extended self, their extended self, is not treated the way they felt should be done. And then what about threats to your things? Man, this came home to me a number of years ago. I had bought my first home, and I was trying to get grass to grow in the front yard, and I don't know what was wrong with my front yard, but it had all kinds of problems and issues, and I just couldn't get the grass to grow. So I went out there finally and just dug a whole bunch of it up and uh, spent a lot of time re-smoothing and cleaning and getting out all the rocks and the other things, and then uh, sowed it with grass seed and uh, covered it with some mulch and then watered it down, and, and I was really working hard to get new grass to come up in my front yard, and then one day I looked out there, and this little four- or five-year-old girl named was Larissa, she went running through my yard. And she trampled down the new grass that was trying to sprout, and she left footprints in the mulch and the, and the soft, uh, muddy dirt that I had spread out and all of that. And I burst out of my house, and I yelled across her, Get off of my yard! And I was in that moment, literally, the old man yelling, Get off my yard. I was so proud of myself. I turned around and stomped back up the sidewalk, and when I arrived at the front door, guess who was standing there? My sweet wife, Anne. And she looked at me and said, I thought in this neighborhood we were raising kids, not grass. Well, that was a painful moment. I had to walk down the street and apologize to Larissa, invite her back down to the house, and help her to understand that she was always welcome and get over my anger toward that little girl. Why was I angry with her, with a little four-year-old girl? Because 
she threatened something that mattered to me. She walked on my yard. And in doing that, she disrupted my dreams. She trampled on my financial expenditures. She ruined the pride of ownership I had in wanting to have a lawn that reflected the fact that Jeff Orge now owned this house. You get the idea. Extended self. And I reacted with anger. Now, ministry leaders, think about this. This is true for you, but it's also true for the people you're working with who are expressing so much anger toward you. Anger originates with threat. And threat can be felt in ourselves in various ways. Threat to physical self. Threat to a relational self. Threat to a personal or a values self. Threat to our extended self. When a person feels threatened in any one of these ways, anger erupts. Now, sometimes anger is easy to spot. A person yells or screams or stomps out or slams a door, and there's really no doubt that they are angry. But I want to talk for a few minutes now about, as leaders, recognizing anger in perhaps some ways that may be a little more subtle but are just as real, and if we're attuned to them, we can address anger perhaps before it becomes so destructive. Now, the first, as I've said, uh, way to recognize anger is when it's a verbal or a written outburst. These are the easiest to spot. This is someone who blows up in a meeting, someone who walks out and slams a door, someone who writes you a hostile email or posts something evil on social media. These verbal and written outbursts are, as I say, easy to spot. Here's another one, though. Another form of anger is hostile humor. This is people who make jokes at the expense of people they're angry with but can't really confront them or say what they really want to about them. A number of years ago, I uh, met a president of a school who had had a particularly distasteful experience with his faculty. Now, I won't go into the whole, um, the whole story. It's not germane to the podcast, but this president brought forward an idea, uh, a fairly significant proposal, and it met with opposition or disdain or being ignored uh, by the faculty. And it was very painful for this president, very painful. And he became angry. Because his values self was threatened, because his, politi- his uh, religious and some of his philosophical beliefs were being, were being questioned. So at the core of who he was, he felt threatened because people that he was depending on devalued what he said or what he thought was important, and they were unwilling to follow him forward. And he became angry. But he did not, he did not explode on social media or write a blog or 
verbally assault anyone or walk out of a room and slam a door. Instead, it came out in hostile humor directed toward his faculty. So that every time he spoke anywhere and mentioned the faculty, it was always in a cutting remark or a cutting joke or something that put them down but was designed to get a laugh. Now, if you only heard him speak one time, only one time, you wouldn't have picked up on the problem. Because everybody makes jokes about the people they work with, and everybody understands that's just kind of part of life, and we just all go on with it. But when you make the same kind of joke over and over and over and over again, and you do it in every context so that it comes out of you every time those people are mentioned, that's anger. Anger expressing itself as hostile humor. And I bring this up because, quite frankly, a lot of Christian ministry leaders are too disciplined to blow up in anger. And so it comes out of them in other ways, and you have to be discerning to be able to spot it. But hostile humor is a very common expression of anger in the Christian community. Another one is what I'll call nagging or whining. It's a person who's like an annoying child. They're always complaining, always negative, always have a little dig here and a little poke there, never satisfied. The favorite word they have about anything is but. You know, that was a nice sermon, but. That was a nice song, but. You know, the youth group here does a good job with some children, but. There's always a little gig in what they have to say. A little whiny, a little annoying, a little nagging, a little negativity. It's always there. That's anger. That's anger bleeding out of a person, again, who's unwilling or unable to fully express what they're feeling in a way that they know would cause them to have an immediate negative reaction. Another way of expressing anger is silence or withdrawal. Now, I'm not good at this one. I'm just way too verbal. But I once had a friend, uh, a girl who lived on the street where I grew up. She was a master at this. She would become angry and announce that she wasn't talking to you again and stomp away. And I've seen this girl go days without speaking to someone, including me. Now, back in those days when kids all played together on the street and in our front yards and in our neighborhoods, it's pretty hard to go for days and refuse to speak to someone. But that kind of anger was how she expressed herself. She, as a girl, had been told, don't yell, don't scream, don't make a fuss. But she had also been told, you can get even, just get quiet. And then finally, another way that people in ministry organizations sometimes express anger is by being late, by being disengaged, by not honoring commitments to be at a certain place at a certain time and do things a certain way, and to always be a little bit of a laggard just to let you know that they want to be in control and they want to show you that there's something wrong in the relationship and they want you to know that they're not happy with you. So anger, when it's expressed openly, loudly, with drama, we get that one. 
But ministry leaders, I want you to understand that people also express anger through hostile humor and nagging and whining and negative comments and through silence and withdrawal and from disengagement and tardiness and from just letting you know that they are not happy with you. All of this anger that I'm describing, no matter how how it expresses itself, is rooted in threat. When a person feels threatened, physically, relationally, personally in their values or in things they hold dear, or perhaps in their extended self, meaning the people and the things that are important to them. When they feel threatened, they will react with anger, and you have to learn to see it and discern it in the ways I'm describing here today. Now, let's close out the podcast by talking about how do you respond to angry people? Well, Of course, in the next 10 minutes, I can't tell you every single possible thing you can do, but let me give you some big hooks to hang on to as you try to respond to all this anger in our culture and in our churches. Number one, diffuse the situation by refusing to react. Diffuse the situation by refusing to react. Don't take the bait. Don't engage publicly in name-calling or shouting or Don't engage on social media with firing off tweets back and forth at another person or engaging in their social media or sending them emails or any kind of voicemails or anything like that. Don't take the bait. Diffuse the situation by refusing to react to anger. Recognize it it for what it is and make a measured response, as we're going to talk about in just a moment, but refuse to be caught up in escalating so that you get caught up in the cycle of the anger and the expressions of the anger, and you find yourself threatened not by the same thing the other person is threatened by, but now you're threatened by the fact that they're angry and disruptive and somehow harming your uh, personal self or your relational self or your physical self or your extended self. Refuse to take the bait. No escalation. Second, diagnose the threat. And direct the person's attention to the real source of their anger. Now, how do you do that? Well, through conversation. Here are some things you can say to an angry person. First, you seem really angry about this situation. Acknowledge it. Put it on the table. Label it for what it is. Now, they may say, well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. I'm not angry. I'm just upset. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. Well, it'd be appropriate at that point to say, well, I understand that's how you may define it, but it it might still have some anger associated with it based on the way you're reacting today. Don't belittle them or try to redirect, but do try to redirect them to at least considering the possibility that the real issue is anger. And then say something like this. You, you seem to be attacking me instead of the real problem. So that leads us to this important question. What, what is making you so angry? Now, this helps a person redirect from a superficial expression, a blow up, or even a superficial expression like nagging or whining or negativity to face what is the real problem here. 
So when you are diagnosing the threat and directing a person's attention to their anger, the real source of their anger, say things like this. You seem really angry about this. You seem to be attacking me rather than the real problem that's making you angry. What, what is it today that's threatening you? What are you so angry about? And then this, of course, key question, what can you do about this real problem? So, for example, someone comes at you ranting about something they saw on Fox News. It's appropriate to say, you seem really angry about this. Well, I am angry about it. Well, something that happened on the other side of the country that a third party told you about through a television program has made you angry. What do you suppose is the threat that's causing you to feel so angry? What's the real problem here? Just getting the person to identify that helps them to redirect from being angry with you or blowing up in your presence in anger and to focus back on maybe the real issue. And then that key question, what can you do about this problem? Well, nothing. It's happening in Louisiana or Mississippi or New York City. Exactly. So if there's not one thing you can do about this problem, why is it so threatening to you? Now, a third thing after you diffuse and diagnose, is to demonstrate what I'll call pastoral care, but I'm using the P, little p, word pastoral. Not pastor as in you're a pastor and that's the kind of care you give, but pastoral meaning Christian care extended to another person. Patience, but firmness is required at this moment. Why are you angry? Why is this threatening you? What can you do about it? And if the answers are not satisfactory or the person is not willing to yet focus on the real issues, ask the questions again with patience and firmness, extending Christian care, pastoral care by saying, I understand that. Let, let's stay with this a moment. What's really at the, at the core of the issue here? And this often involves spiritual dimension and even prayer, where you say to a person, I understand your anger, and now that you've talked with me about it, I see why you feel threatened about this. But you know, God, God can give us security and can help us to understand, to trust in Him rather than to feel threatened all the time. Could we pray together about this? Could we pray about your anger and about the threat you perceive and ask God to intervene both in the situation and in your life that you might not feel this way any further? That's extending pastoral care with firmness and patience and spiritual direction and ultimately prayer so that as you demonstrate these things to a person, you're actually moving them into uh, what is the fourth D on this list, and that is a disciple-making moment. Anger is an opportunity for spiritual growth. It, it, it's an opportunity for spiritual growth in a number of ways. Let me just mention a couple. First, it's your opportunity to correct misunderstandings about anger. You know, some people think, well, good Christians don't get angry and good Christians can't admit that they're angry. And the Bible says all anger is bad and therefore I'm bad and therefore I can't admit that I'm angry because I don't want to admit that I'm out of line with the Bible. Well, that's all the way people often think, but it's also all false. The Bible says it is possible to get angry. 
and to do so rightly. It also says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It also says, resolve your conflicts with people on the way. The Bible says, good Christians get angry, but they resolve their anger appropriately. So a disciple-making moment is to say, let's talk about what the Bible really says and the challenge that it really gives, not to deny that anger is a possibility for believers, but instead to own it and then handle it appropriately as an act of obedience before God. Another disciple-making aspect of anger is that you are able to connect angry people to spiritual resources for resolving anger. Now, the most important one of these is actually a theological answer. If the cause of anger is threat, and the threat is felt in our self, then there's a doctrine called the security of the believer that becomes very important at this moment. The security of the believer teaches that we are secure in Jesus Christ, and we are as secure right now in this moment as we will ever be for eternity. Secure. So when a person is angry, it's a disciple-making moment for you to help them to understand that anger comes from threat. Threat is felt in self. Self Self-focus leads to anger. And the solution is to go back to the beginning and say, what threatens me, I bring that in submission to Jesus Christ. Because in Christ I am eternally secure, meaning I am also secure in this moment. Therefore, this threat to my values, this threat to my physical self, this threat to my extended self, this threat to my relational self, these threats evaporate in the face of the security that I have in Jesus Christ. So this disciple-making moment is so crucial because the solution to anger is security in Jesus. That eliminates threat. So when you're responding to angry people, diffuse the situation by refusing to react. Don't take the bait. Diagnose the threat. And direct the person to think with you about the real source of their anger. Why are, you, why are you threatened? What does that say about you? And what can you do about the real problem? Demonstrate pastoral care, Christian care, with firmness, patience, spiritual direction, and prayer. And then make it a disciple-making make, disciple moment. Correct misunderstandings about anger, and then... Help them understand that they have to shift their focus off self and shift focus off threat and rest in this wonderful Christian doctrine of the security of the believer and let that eliminate threat and therefore anger. Wow. That becomes the great disciple-making moment. And then the last thing. When an angry person will not engage in any kind of a process like this. You have to contain their destructive anger and keep it from harming your organization. Now, that's a last resort. A person who will not participate in a process of diffusing, diagnosing, demonstrating, and disciple-making, a person who will not do that, has to be insulated from the organization if it, and possibly removed from it, and certainly sidelined from any leadership 
where their anger is poisoning the mission of the organization. Again, I think that is a rare and some and hopefully uh, uh, an infrequent and hopefully never <laughs> experience for you. But if it does have to happen, don't let angry people destroy the work you're trying to do for good. So thank you for listening today as we've talked about dealing with angry people. It's a heavy subject. It's a weighty one. If you're one of those people that's struggling with anger, go back and work through this process and see if you can discover what's threatening you and then the security of the believer in Jesus Christ, how that can liberate you from that threat, mitigate your anger, and give you an entirely new perspective on how to deal with this problem. Thank you for listening today. Put this into practice as you lead on.